welcome back to I Get That 10 Minutes. This is a gaming special, and it's going to be special because I'm bringing on a gentleman who's part of a podcast known as First Gen Gamers. Please give a welcome to Chad Shepherd. Hello. Hello. Oh, second time's a charm, eh? I know it's it's terrible, folks. We had a major blooper there. I didn't hit record, admittedly. So if it sounds like we're having a bit of a giggle about this, because, hey, mistakes happen, but we're going to bounce back. Yes, it's all right. It's a gaming chat. We have come together to chat because... Jet's part of a really good podcast that's up and coming and talking about gaming and the nostalgia of it. Something I'm very passionate about being, I'm, a, I'm an old school gamer, but I'm rambling. It's uh, due to the fact that I've just cocked up, but I'm trying to recover. I'm trying to recover. Um, yeah, so First Gen Gamers is the podcast that you're a part of. If you could just please give my listeners a little insight into yourself, tell us about you and what are you going to bring to the podcasting world? Sure. So I live here in the United States. Uh Married 20 years, got three boys, pair of uh, teenage twins and an 11-year-old. We're a huge gaming household, just about everyone. with My wife is the only one who got games on her phone. Everyone else has a video game console. A couple of us have two of them. I'm the same. My wife's playing her phone all the time, doesn't touch a console, and we've got pretty much a console on every TV in the house. It's crazy. It must be a male thing. I don't know. No, to be fair, she used to. I will admit, she kicks my ass in most Mario games. She, <laughs> If she really put her in her, her mind to it, she could probably compete in the speed running for the original Mario Brothers. Wow. She is lightning fast at that her thing and she self-describes her she says it herself that she will tend to get addicted and all she'll be focused on okay so her way of avoiding that distraction is just to not do it which i get yeah that makes sense well she yeah but she has a gaming history and like i said the rest of us we're all huge nerds here we're all gamers (laughs) i my i've been gaming since the intellivision so wow there's a throwback for you wow i go a long way back i think this is going to be why this particular chat will go down so well i mean certainly part of first gen gamers there's the nostalgic chats about various consoles throughout the generations and what favorites are played on each one yeah i think that's what's so unique and appealing about this particular podcast is is the fact that it's going to take us down a memory lane trip it's going to give us information about games maybe we've forgotten about games we've never considered before that was kind of the idea behind it was that so i came up with the idea because you know, I watch some gaming YouTube, not really game, not Let's Plays or anything, but, you know, I watch people who do articles like Scott the Waz or Angry Video Game Nerd, stuff like that. But there's a lot of gaming YouTubers and gaming websites too, like IGN and, and whatnot, that they do listicles, mm. top five RPGs, top five sports games, top five Mario games, etc. And it always bothers me that there's recency bias in there. Okay. You know, you'll see top five RPGs and it will be like Final Fantasy 15. And the latest Ease game and, the, you know, it'll be like four games from the last generation and then they'll throw in Secret of Mana. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like you didn't really research. You didn't give a broad perspective of history. Mm. And that's what the whole podcast is about, is that rather than taking a listicle idea and going, here's our top 10, here's our top five, whatever, we go generation by generation. So we start, when applicable, we start with the second gen. So the Atari 2600, the Intellivision, that era. You know, not all topics kind fully apply to that because that is really embryonic. Mm. <laughs> but we can't, we do when we can. And then we, we just go generation by generation. So like our first episode was about horror games. Yes. It was, it was just in time for Halloween. So 
we went, we started with the Atari and then we went to the next generation. So the Nintendo and the Master System and then the next generation, the Mega Drive slash Genesis and the Super Nintendo and every generation was pick a game for each generation. And that way there's, like you said, you there's a broader perspective there's an appreciation for history and it forces you to think outside those favorites and find those games that may not be the most obvious answer. Hmm. I think that's why it's going to work so well. I mean, certainly the the horror one that you've launched with, while that particular genre isn't something I tend to go to because I'm scared as hell by horror, which is weird. I mean, I've got quite a substantial collection of horror games, but I, ba- I barely touched them because I'm too scared. However, when I was listening to the horror episode, I did make a point of having to think back to Splatterhouse, which you mentioned, which was a really good series of games, arguably the more recent remakes in the last just like 15 years or so didn't really grab my attention, but those old kind of Sega classic ones with their very pixelated graphics, but, but still really playable. Mm-hmm. were really good and an iconic image. You know, you're taking elements from the likes of Jason and making a slasher out of it. Really influential and a great thing to kind of focus on. Silly nostalgic-wise, a horror title that jumps out from a begotten era. I think this is why um, first-gen gamers is going to be really kind of cult-worthy and have such a good following because it's going to give us a chance to think, like you said, outside the box and think of titles that we've forgotten about or stuff we've loved, maybe not played in such a time. I just think it's going to be an amazing journey to go on. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for what we've got coming forward to it. Like uh, my my co-host, Mike, um, who used to co-host a very long-running podcast called Player Two has entered the podcast. His podcast died. My old podcast died. We, we've now joined forces on this. Just last week, we recorded the first of our two-part Thanksgiving episode. It's not so much, I mean, it's kind of deviating away from the formula in a sense in that it's, it's a softer topic, but the idea is games and gaming memories we're thankful for. Oh, okay. So, you know, things that bring us a lot of nostalgic joy, things in gaming for each generation that has emotional connection and, and that kind of value. Okay, yeah. Uh, it ended up running really long. I think we, <laughs> we we got through the fourth generation, and we were at an hour and a half. We're like, yeah, we need we need to split this in half. So uh, this weekend, as of our recording this, um, we're going to record the second half of it, go from fifth to eighth. And uh, I know coming up after that, we're also going to look at holiday games. Okay. Not necessarily Christmas scene, but things that bring up that end of the year feeling of family and winter and and just that general concept. So it's a that one's tricky. That that one's taken some research. Yeah, I mean, where do you start with something like that? Will it be stuff that features heavily in like a snowy environment? Like are you going to be playing Empire Strikes Back on the SNES or going to <laughs> Lost Planet or something with a lot of ice? I don't know. Where'd you go to something like that? It, it does take, and he even admitted it, because uh, it was Mike's idea to do the holiday games one. Um, it takes a liberal interpretation of the idea of holidays. Okay. Uh, so I tried to steer away from Halloween because we'd already done that, but it was more, without giving away what my picks are, are there are um, some games that have a heavy feeling of autumn to them, or winter. Oh, okay, yeah, um, yeah. You know, maybe autumn is the setting or winter is the setting. Winter sports might play a role in it, you know, because that's kind of unavoidable. There are a couple games with Christmas themes to them. There's not a lot, but there's a few of them and those might, you know, make an appearance. Interesting. It's it's refreshing that you're kind of basing certain episodes on a season as opposed to a genre. 
like I like that kind of spin on it. You're not just saying let's look for you know adventure games or fighting games. We're looking for something that's around the season, like you say, autumnal, winter kind of games. You don't often hear people discussing a season as a typical gaming choice to speak about. I think it's going to, again, it's going to produce an interesting following, a great cult status, and something new that listeners can get really into. Yeah, and we've got a lot more... We've got a, li- a list of at least 30 topics already that we are planning on. And they're not all as, ob- I mean, some of them are as obvious as best sports game, best RPG, but some of them are more esoteric. There's, you know, we've got ideas like controversial games that really weren't worth all of the the hubbub, you know, games that didn't really live up to the controversy. Gaming's biggest mistakes, um, you know, th- so there will be things as many as much as it will be gaming driven sometimes it may not even be about the games themselves it might be about the company you know we have a couple of paired topics so you know might be a two part like nintendo's best moments and nintendo's worst moments you know things like that so it's as much as we, you know we're going to be talking about games and the gaming industry in general uh but through that lens of going generation by generation to respect the history it's going to be fun to listen to. Do you think there's going to be any personal choices in there if you're going through this down this nostalgic road, down this memory lane, when it comes to selecting certain games from specific generations? Is it going to be your kind of personal favorites or just a general, these were really popular, let's have a look in these particular titles because they were the top 10 at the time? How much influence of your own choices will you add in there? It depends on the topic. Um, like for the thankful one, it's 100% all personal. Okay. Um, I mean, there are some games we all love Super Mario Brothers. Of course. <laughs> like, you know, you were in the shirt. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Mario Brothers, Zelda, God of War, uh, stuff like that. Those known franchises, it's hard not to have a personal connection and personal memories to those. Yeah. But I have just as much of a connection to something more esoteric like uh, Monster Rancher from the original PlayStation. Okay. Or um, my favorite game of all time is a really obscure rails shooter from the PS2 era called Rez. Oh, I don't think I know that one. Oh. Oh, oh, okay. We got to take a sidebar. I got to tell you about (laughs) Rez now. Here we go. I love talking about Rez. Okay, are you familiar with the neurological condition called synesthesia? No, but I'm excited to hear about it. Okay, so so I have to explain it to explain Rez. Synesthesia is a neurological condition in which the wires, for lack of a better term, the 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 wires that govern the five basic senses, you know, sight, hearing, smell, taste, touch, cross-pollinate. Okay. So People with synesthesia will experience one sense, but the other sense will also be triggered. So, for instance, someone would listen to music, for instance, and that music would drive their taste. So they, you know, they'd like listen to Nirvana and go, smells like teen spirit, tastes like vanilla. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or, or they will associate a color with it. So, you know, uh, Metallica sounds, you know, their music sounds red, something like that. The game is built around this idea. So, I mean, the plot is very flimsy. The plot is you're a hacker. You're trying to hack into the computer that is controlling the world because it's gone haywire. It's not a deep plot, but it's 
wireframe graphics with some solids to it, but it's very polygonal. But what happens, the synesthesia element comes in because it's got a techno soundtrack. Okay. The techno soundtrack starts off very low, just a boom, 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 just a, a throbbing beat. Your movements as you shoot things down adds musical notes to the song that's being played. You can shoot in a chain or you can just tap the button a bunch. So it, that changes the beats. As you're shooting, that changes the visual element and brings up new visual elements into the into the field of play. So now your touch action and your sound action are are affecting your visual action. Wow! And all of and all of this ties back into the force feedback. So you're feeling the pulsing beat of the song, but as you're adding beats to it and things are blowing up on screen, that's changing the force feedback in the controller. So Touch, sight, hearing, all of it is connected in this game. Wow. It's very, it's very trippy. It sounds like if you're the type of person who likes certain mind-altering substances. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it may or may not be the game to play, depending on <laughs> <laughs> that's great advice. <laughs> but they, they did a remaster of it too. It's available on I know it's on PS4's store, and I know, and I believe it's on Steam. I don't know about Xbox. Highly worth it, though. Just a simple, like I said, it's a simple, straightforward rail shooter, but the concept is just so interesting. It's, it is my comfort game. When I'm, when I just finished a game like last week, uh, the Saints Row remount of the reboot. And oh, yes. And I've got like, you know, 10 games, 15 games in the backlog. It's like, I don't know what to do. I hell with it. I'll play Res. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a comfort game you go back to because you know you're familiar with it. You know where you are. It's like a homecoming. Yep. For me, it's Skyrim. I've been playing that for about eight years. And while I haven't made a dent in the majority of the achievements, for me, it's the it's the full kind of free roaming, open world, ridiculous amounts of missions and things to collect and achieve. I just go wandering in the mountains, go finding some caves, go take on a giant and sit in the wilderness. It's a very kind of relaxing game for me. Yes, it's it's a big adventure game. Yes, you should be learning all these skills to fight dragons and monsters and stuff. But for me, I just like walking around in the snow and looking at the lovely visuals. It's been a real pleasure to enjoy for years and I'm still loving it. I love games like that. I love, I've got a few of them. Res is my number one. Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I think I beat, I pl I beat that game probably, I rebeat it probably every year, every other year, just because like you said, it's that comfort game. It's the, yeah. I know what I'm doing. My thumbs just naturally make the movements. Um, Hades, that's another one lately. Hades is just like, ah, I've got an hour to kill. Make a run in Hades. Why not? <laughs> Why not? You know where you are. Like you say, you just... You sometimes come to autopilot once you've got that controller in your hand. You know what you're doing. Yep. You know what button does what. You just need to focus on the visuals and enjoy it. Absolutely. But that res has really piqued my interest. It's something I'm going to look out for, definitely. Um, not with the mind-altering substances, though. We're just going to keep that on the side banner. Okay, we're not going to go anywhere. <laughs> Probably for the best. Save the edibles for later. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned earlier that you came you came together yourself and Mike to form this uh, this amazing union for gaming chat. So the idea for the podcast was mine, but I was toying with how to format it. I'd thought about a column, like a written column, but I really didn't like the idea of how wordy that could get and how I would even format it and where I would publish it. Mm -hmm. I toyed around with the idea of a YouTube channel. I'm not a visual thinker. I'm a I've 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 had several podcasts on 
First Gen Gamers is actually my fourth podcast. Wow. I like to write. I like to do audio. I can't imagine visuals. I just can't. I, I tried working with video editing and it just failed. Um, so I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do podcasting. I had known Mike from, like I said, I was on, uh, he had his own podcast uh, for quite a while and his podcast had come to an end when his partner split and he had taken a layoff for like a year and, uh, or so. And I knew that if I did this podcast, I didn't want to do it alone. Yes. I, I couldn't just be running through it, talking for an hour and a half, speaking into the ether. It just wouldn't feel right. Uh, so I approached him because I had been on his show prior and he had been on mine. And I just pitched him. I, I just emailed him out of the blue. I said, hey, hey, Mike, I've got this idea. Ran through it and said, what do you think? And he went, holy shit, man, that... That sounds fun. Like we don't have to have the burden because his show was a was a news and current events in video uh, games kind of show. Wow. So, you know, he was always having to keep up with, you know, he was always having to read IGN and Polygon and Kotaku and keep up with it. And especially with certain publishing companies, Activision, Konami. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All the publishers are available. <laughs> yeah. They, they don't have... A lot of good news circling them usually that can be a big downer and i know it was weighing on him keeping up with new games it's a huge expenditure this got away from that there's no need for us to have to go out and buy spider-man 2 or uh microsoft flight simulator or anything launch day it's completely it's a look back yeah so that freed him of one concern we were both like, you know, we'll split the duties of, of promotion and editing and all that. It's no more all on one or all on the other person. It's it's evenly split. So all of those factors just kind of came together. And here we are. Amazing. I can fully respect and appreciate the coming together of two separate hosts because I myself have struggled many a time to try and do solo episodes. Like you said, it's the it's having someone to react with. And to have a genuine free-flowing conversation, talking into the ether, I love how you worded that, by the way, was um, something I still now struggle with and always maintain to have a guest on. Incidentally, folks, if you want to be a guest, do get in touch because I require you to be on the other end of this microphone with me. So yeah, please get in touch and we'll give you the sources later on how to do that. But yeah, the, the coming of two great minds, both passionate gamers who just want to take us on a nostalgic journey. It's a great concept, a great format, and it's it's going to do really well. I would like to ask you a question, however. Sure. That's, that's not podcast related, but I'm sure we'll get back onto that shortly. I mentioned earlier about how how Skyrim for me is a is a major comfort game for me. You mentioned Res. What about consoles, though? Do you have a go-to console that if you're feeling like you've got some free time or you're just having some major downtime, that's your trusted, trustworthy go-to console? What, what would you choose? Uh, okay, so I'm going to split this down the middle for history, I'm going to go pre-2000, post-2000. Okay. Post-2000, PlayStation 4 slash 5. I know it's the most current. The 5 is backwards compatible, and so it's got all of my 4 stuff on it. But that's just, for modern gaming, that's just got all of my the games that I'm currently playing. I love the 3. I love the Wii. Yeah. I know that's a, I know that's an unpopular statement with some because they hear the Wii and they're like, motion controls. Like, screw you. There were a lot of fun games on the Wii. I love the Wii. I've still got mana. I still play on it. It's really good. Yeah. I love it. There, I have so many memories of like my wife and I and a couple of friends tried to tackle Rock Band's endless play, playlist. <laughs> yes. Took, 
we got like 95% of the way through. I think we ended up failing on the 82nd song out of 83, something like that. I mean, that's a pretty good going, isn't it? Come on. Yeah. Took forever. Historically, though, pre-2000, Sega Genesis. Yes. I mean, I'd probably say SNES over the uh, Mega Drive for me. Sega Genesis for you. But a really great shout. It's an amazing console. Still really, really popular now. Yep. And highly sought after. I know, obviously, they don't make them new, but... People are collectors out there and, and are buying and selling for the sheer ownership of you know these great consoles. It's one thing I don't have in my collection. While I've got quite an extensive collection of, of consoles, that's not something I have, which now that I think about it, I need to rectify immediately. <laughs> I think that 16-bit era, both consoles, because the SNES has, I mean, no shade to the SNES. It has just as many bangers on there. It has my favorite Mario game, Super Mario World. It has my favorite. Yes. It has my favorite Zelda game, Link to the Past. Amazing. You know, it has this. It has probably the best side-scrolling Metroid game, Super Metroid. It has Super Punch Out. There's so many great games on there. I think that generation has probably aged better than the Nintendo generation, better than the PlayStation One mm-hmm. generation because. It took all of the things that were the trailblazing and the how do we do this figuring it out era from the Nintendo era, and it perfected them. It shaved mm. off all the rough edges. It refined things so perfectly. Once you make the leap to the PlayStation, and not to say that that PlayStation N64 Saturn era is bad, there's a lot of bangers on those game on those consoles. Tons of them. Yeah. But it was also the first 3D generation. And it's there's so much experimentation and so much testing of the waters. And not all of those tests work. Mm, yeah, true. Like a lot of a lot of them have aged really, really poorly. Whereas the number of games that aged poorly on the Genesis and the SNES, minimal at best. What's your go-to Genesis game without even thinking the first game you grab? God, I hate to be a basic bitch, but probably Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a classic, you know? There's nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> I mean, there's there's so many awesome games on there. Thunder Force 2 and 3 and 4, um, Forgotten Worlds, Last Battle, not Last Battle, uh, Mystic Defender. The role-playing games on there are great. I think they're really underrated, frankly. Mm. Again, no shade to the SNES. I think it's it gets a lot of attention for its RPGs. The Genesis has so many awesome RPGs as well. But yeah, if I'm in the mood for some something old school, Sonic is just such an easy thing to settle into and the, the muscle memory just kicks in. There's nothing wrong with playing Sonic. It's visually stunning, great soundtrack, and really set a benchmark for games, you know, going you know from that particular game. Really amazing, easy to pick up. And I challenge anyone not to feel a major sense of nostalgia and childhood memories when you're playing Sonic. I turned 13 in 1990. So, I mean, literally, the 90s were my teenage years. And the so- Sonic is just 90s is all hell, man. Like, there's so... <laughs> like his idol animation when you sit there for long enough and he puts his arm he puts his hand on his fit uh, his hip and he just looks at you like come on asshole <laughs> <laughs> i love that I, I found that when i'm playing platformers I'll, I'll do that on purpose to see if the character does anything and i remember playing on the snes i, I was playing um as family pugsley scavenger hunt 
And if you leave Pugsley for a few moments, he pulls a sandwich out of his pocket and starts eating it. Nice. While you're waiting. And that, that's so cool. We've just gone to that much detail. If you just walk away from the screen for a bit, let's just have him eating a sandwich just to keep the time occupied, you know. I, I love things like that. The game wasn't that particularly good, but just things like that made it more appealing. You, you purposely put your control pad down because you wanted to see this guy eat a sandwich. With the exception of like indie studios. You know, you don't see that type of that those quirky little attention to detail from the rock stars and the naughty dogs and the not that they're bad or anything, but it's the indie studios that are doing stuff like like show the uh, whatever it was it yacht club games that did Shovel Knight. Um, I can't think of the the name of the company that did Darkest Dungeon, shit, but that game uh, Retrograde. There's all sorts of you know those those indie games now where they know their audience. They know that their audience isn't the 16-year-old, it's the 36-year-old and the 46-year-old and they're like, (laughs) as much as we're going to make this polished beyond reproach, we're also going to add in those touches that they'll know we're gamer history nerds too. I like to see things like that. You know, you you walk away from a a screen, I don't know, you've got um, to answer the door or one of your kids needs some help and you come back and there's this amazing visual to enjoy. You're like, oh, that's... They've included it. They've recognized that we have to leave the screen at some point and it's a reward for coming back, you know? Yep. I love things like that. Sticking with what I would class as retro, Xbox 360. I'd just like to talk about it for just a moment. Next year sees the end of support for a majority of Xbox 360 games, which could mean lack of online updates or saved games being taken off hard drives, that kind of thing. It also means that certain games that are, are really obscure could become really expensive or hard to find. As an Xbox 360 fan, majorly, this is myself here, do you think it's a travesty and a shame that it will no longer be getting any support and it's officially considered an old retro console now? Absolutely a crime. Game preservation is a really important topic to me for gaming. Of all the forms of media, of all of them, books, music, movies, whatever the case may be, all of them have some type of central mechanism in place that preserves things. You can find almost any movie, I mean, with the exception of movies that are truly lost for outside reasons, you can find any movie that you want. You can find any album that you want. Go out right now and try to buy Little Nemo Dream Master for the Nintendo. Go out and try to buy or try to find a copy of Nintendo World Championships. You can't. Not without thousands of dollars and someone wanting to give that, uh, you know, to give that up. Try to find a licensed game like Cool Spot or Yo Noid. You can't. Cool Spot, there's a throwback. Wow. Right. Uh, cool. And it's a fun game, too. Yeah. You wouldn't think that the game based on the 7-Up logo would be fun. <laughs> but trying to find all these games is difficult, if not impossible, because they don't get re-released. So when they say we're ending support for uh, online services, we're shutting down an online store, that's just another leg of the table that gets knocked out of gaming history. Mm. How many consoles will there be in the wild that now have that, that have those games? Like, okay, perfect example. I've got a PlayStation 3 that's got one, two three games that I know of that have been delisted from the PSN store. Okay. Simpsons Arcade, X-Men Arcade, and NCAA Football 14. All of them were for sale for, at one point, and all of them have been completely delisted. You can't get, you know, you can't get them anywhere. You might be able to find NCAA Football on disc. You can't find Simpsons Arcade or X-Men on disc. So where are those games? Where are they available to anyone that's not living in my house currently? Finding out that they're shutting shutting stuff down 
shutting down servers, shutting down the store. It makes preservation just so much more difficult and it makes future generations of gamers who want to go back and experience these games that they've never heard of and get intrigued by, it makes it so much more difficult. It makes even, you know, it even makes it difficult for us who were there who may not have had the opportunity to play one of these games. Now there's an impenetrable roadblock. I know that from a business standpoint that Microsoft and and Nintendo and Sony can't operate these servers forever, but it feels like they're, they're not exploring some type of middle ground solution. Surely there must be some office block where they can just put the servers in there and just pay some guy in security just to leave the switch turned on. Right. And then that's all they need to do. Just keep the servers active. Someone can keep an eye on it and they can move on with their lives. But then us retro guys, us old guys can still have updates from time to time when we put a new disc into our console. Right. Like how hard is it to host the store, you know, so that way someone can go and download Sunset Overdrive or um, the, the the Burger King games, or, you know, something, <laughs> something weird like that or some indie title like, that's no longer available. Like there's two titles uh, from WiiWare that I really loved um, that are not available. They have never been re-released. Okay. Fluidity and, uh, and Yet It Moves. Both mm-hmm. of them are puzzle puzzle platformers of sorts. And yet it moves, I think may have gotten a steam release, but it's never been released on anything else. And fluidity has never been re-released anywhere. They're both locked to Wii. So if you didn't download it when the Wii store was there, you're SOL. So I just, it frustrates at the very least. I mean, here's a middle ground idea. Have a dedicated server. That's just for the purpose of archiving. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You know, just go, oh, so like, if you're not going to sell these games, kind of like the Internet Archive or Wikipedia, make it just this public thing where, okay, fine, you're not going to turn on, you're not going to host servers for Halo 2 anymore. I get it. The player counts probably in the tens, but at least let us be able to access these old games somewhere. If you're not going to sell them anymore, make them publicly available like a library. That's a great idea. You need to get a patent on this quick because I'm not going to be responsible for some kind of major uproar or lawsuit or something here. You know what? I'm freely willing to let that idea go out into the world and someone with more money than and sense than me figure out how to make it happen. <laughs> I, I just want it to happen because we are losing hundreds, thousands of games and access to them and in, in turning consoles into useless bricks. It's a shame. I mean, it's why I've started panic buying. I've started to build quite an extensive Xbox 360 game collection in the worry that I won't be able to access these games anymore. And I think I've got about, I don't know, maybe, three, maybe 300 or so, which is great. And a majority of them have still never been put into my console. So I'm just panicking and I'm buying them and sticking them on a shelf just in case you can't get them again ever anywhere. So it's something that I'm hoping as I get older, I'll be able to go and rediscover and play at some point. But my worry is I'll take an obscure game that you know I open for the first time, put it into my console, and then it says, you need to update your console. But, oh, there's no updates available anymore because the servers have all gone down. So I'd never get to experience it. It's a real shame. Yeah, and, and I mean, that could launch into a whole other 
gal, you know, wide array of, of topics of gaming companies that put out games that they damn well know aren't finished. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing when they you put it out and it's like, oh, hey, there's a bug that we completely somehow overlooked or it's a, an item balancing issue or a character balance issue or something like that. That's one thing. But when you've got games that are shipping that are visibly, obviously unfinished. And like you said, sooner or later, the servers get shut off. The updates aren't available anymore. What? So now I got to play this broken, jank game that bugs out. I mean, the game that I was just mentioning that I finished earlier, Saints Row. Devolver, not Devolver. What is the name of the, what was the name of their um, publisher? Um, Oh, I don't know. Um, Volition. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. They just got shut down. They put out the last DLC for the game and they got shut down like a week later. Wow. Yeah. So there's no more support for that game then if, if anything changes. No, oh, no more support. And it's, I mean, it's a fine Saints Row game. It's not up to the quality of the original ones, but it's good. It's good enough. Yeah. It, it needs patching. It definitely needs patching and it will never happen. Oh no, it's another loss in the gaming world. See, that that's a franchise, admittedly, I've got all four parts of the 360, one to four, and I've never played them. And it, it worries me now that I'm never even going to get a chance if I don't hurry up and get them onto the console while they're still active in case there's an update or a change in level or whatever it might be. So that could be something I need to sort out in the coming days. I mean, I'm going to have to go through every single disc, pop it into the console, install some sort of update, and then I know it's at least installed in case I decide to play it at some point. Right. I'm scared. I'm very scared. 300 games, never been put on the machine. I've got, I've got some busy time ahead of me in the coming weeks. And hopefully you've got enough hard drive space. Well, thankfully I've got a backup hard drive. Let's hope it still works. It's all old tech, but um, I, I won't let it go. It's a very prized possession of mine. I've got the um, Star Wars one, you know, the R2-D2 livery, and it makes all the noises, and it has the 3PL controller. Nice. So... It's precious to me, and it still works, and I've never got the red ring of death, and it's never switched off. It's my media center, it's my gaming hub, and I absolutely love it. I will not get a PS4 yet. I will not get a PS5 yet. I won't upgrade until that thing dies. <laughs> if it doesn't die, I will never experience high-end gaming. I'm sorry, folks. I know. I'm just I'm very set in my ways, so I stick to what I know, hey, and what I know is Xbox 360. You know what? There is, there's no wrong way to game. There's no such thing as a wrong way to game. You want to hang on to a Sega Saturn until you die. Go for it. Alien Trilogy on there. Oh, I'm sure it was. Was it Alien Trilogy? I think it was on there. Yeah, I think so. I never played it, but yeah. There was a, I think there was like a Daytona racing game on there. It might have been Daytona. Eh? Mm-hmm. That was very good. That's yep. something I really enjoyed in the arcades back in the day. Listen to me back in the day. I mean, come on. I'm not that old, but I do remember my my fun times going to an Arcadia and, and playing, you know, Daytona and Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat and so on. So... You'll you like this then. On the first episode of the thank uh, the things to be thankful for, because I was a unfortunate Saturn owner. <laughs> I love the Saturn. Don't get me wrong, but we were forgotten a lot by Sega. Um, and the console's been forgotten by Sega. There was a game that I brought up that I got to educate my co-host on called Fighters Megamix. Now, I think I've heard of this, but I don't. Don't recall ever seeing it. Okay, so Fighters Mega Mix was they had Sega had like three or four different 3D fighting franchises on the Saturn. They had uh, Virtual Fighter, they had Last Bronx, they had another one that I can't remember the name of. And if you really want to get deep in the weeds, they had Sonic the Fighters. They took characters from all of these games and they put them in the same game. Oh, okay, okay. But then they went completely batshit insane. <laughs> 
because it's Sega and it's the 90s and that's what Sega did was just go crazy uh and they started throwing in bonus characters that made no damn sense like I think there was a there were fighters from Sonic so you could play you could fight uh against Akira from Virtua Fighter as Knuckles what I believe there was a cactus with a sombrero kind of like <laughs> but the one that blew my co-host's mind you could fight as the Daytona race car oh my god what it sat up on the back of its on the back of the car like on on the trunk and it used it kind of stuck out its hind wheels as like a counterbalance and then its front the the front tires kind of punched out oh my god it's like some kind of weird hybrid of a transformers movie gone wrong yeah except for like it doesn't transform or anything it's just a car sitting up on its tail end <laughs> look up look up video listeners look up video if you've never heard it it is the funniest thing it is so awkward to play as a car but the, so there was something me and my buddies would do it all the time because come on it's one thing to put, you know, anyone can fight as a ninja or a pro wrestler, but fighting as a car? You've got to do it, haven't you? Exactly. Oh my God, it sounds so bad. I, I must find it. I'm going to look for some footage once we're finished recording. That sounds amazing. Oh, it's a hard one to pick, being that there's such a wide range of options here. But what's your favorite game character? Favorite game character? Ooh. I know it's tough. I know. If it weren't for the last two games, my answer would probably be different. But the last two games have completely changed this character. And there's a personal resonance for me. And that would be Kratos from God of War. Oh, why Kratos in particular? Because the last two games turned Kratos from a rage monster into a very, a much more complex character now. Um, Mm. God of War 2018 and God of War Ragnarok both deal with a lot of heavy themes. The 2018 game um, is all about grief and fatherhood. He is, he loves his son. He, he wants his son to be strong. He wants his son to be able to, you know, he wants to prepare him for life, but he can't because of the things he's done in the past, because of the, you know, the atrocities he's committed because of the things that he was driven to do or tricked into doing. He can't open himself up to, positive emotions he can't be happy he can't feel love and so his relationship with his son is very tense and so that whole first game it's driven the plot is driven by you know we're going to go spread your mom's ashes up from the top of this mountain but it's about this father and son who don't know how to talk to each other okay they talk but they don't know how they can't understand who each other is and they can't understand it because they can't let themselves open up enough to explain it. And it's seeing that. It's that change in character. And as a father, seeing, you know, different generations, there, there is a generation gap, no matter how young you might feel. You said you're a father. I'm sure you've experienced it well. You've, you look at your kids, you're like, what the hell are they thinking? What? I don't understand what the hell they're doing. Same way. And this, the game just really illustrates that very well, that you do need to open yourself up, but at the same time, there's only so far you're going to be able to go. And just the the way that they turn Kratos' character, they give him so much more depth and so much more 
so much more of an arc as a human being. He becomes so much more of a human being by the end of it. And it's just, it's a, it's an amazing journey to go on. What an amazing franchise God of War is. I remember playing the first game on my PS2. Um, this particular game stands out to me because I remember it was one of those iconic, huge monsters on screen kind of battles kind of game. You weren't expecting to see, you know, the big three-headed Hydra come out and you're fighting on the ship. You weren't expecting the button bashing combos in order to take it down and the the level of gore and violence and, and playability that it brought. Mm-hmm. You know, Again, this was another one of those kind of benchmark games. Took us in a new direction in terms of gameplay and musicality and characters. The whole thing's just an, an epic adventure and admittedly I've not played the newer games, I don't have a next-gen console. But certainly the first two games for me really drew me in. Kratos is such an iconic image anyway as a character. And um, just playing as him was great. The, the, the weapons he used kind of put me in, in mind to the Darksiders franchise. Mm-hmm. That whole like swinging blades on a chain around, taking on bad guys and so on. Just a, a really fun, exciting you know series of games. And it was that game that caused my PlayStation to blow up, but I don't really <laughs> want to against that right now because there was smoke coming out of it and it never got repaired. So my last memory of my PS2 was playing God of War. Oh dear, Kratos killed my console at the time. Damn you, Kratos! <laughs> this is how well-written the last two God of War games are, especially the first one. I mean, both of them are great, but the first one is one of only two games I've ever played that's made me cry. Wow. So, I mean, that's how well-written the story is but it has to be driven from a character you know from a character standpoint and he is just so much more well written and becomes so much more of a character and i connect with that because of that like samus aaron and nathan drake and mario and whatnot they're all fun characters to play but i don't identify with an italian plumber who stomps on mushrooms and eats fire flowers <laughs> i can't imagine why i don't you know but i get the f- i i understand what kratos is feeling see i think that's why certainly modern day gaming is such an emotional thing because it's it's storytelling. It's like watching a movie or a series of movies in a franchise. It's character driven. It draws you in and it's a, it's an experience. You're not just pressing X or square and something happens. You're really invested in these characters and the journey that they're taking you on. Yep. It can, like you say, it can cause an emotional response like crying or laughter or excitement. Gaming is a really important media. I mean, you said it well earlier on. It's, it's one of the most important forms of media out there that needs to be preserved and appreciated and not be, dare I say, as underrated as it is you know although it's a multi-billion dollar business and makes tons of people happy and sad and so on it's still not seen certainly my opinion as a dominant form of media and storytelling and, and experience making and that needs to change oh yeah it's absolutely kind of the um even as big as it is it's still kind of the fifth wheel of the entertainment industry. It's still the, you know, even though, especially after the pandemic, which just made console sales go through the roof, but it's still kind of, oh, it's either kids who play it or it's old people, you know, it's old people like us who, who never grew up and never stopped doing it like that. There's still something of a stigma in some people's mind. And it's, it's insane to me. It makes no sense that just because it's a game, just because it's, you know, an interactive piece of media as opposed to a passive form of media like a movie or a book or a, or an album. Just because it's a game doesn't make it a child's toy. And I, you know, I, I get a hell of a lot more of a connection from a video game than I do from a, you know, Monopoly set. Oh, Monopoly. Oh, God. You know, what I don't get is why companies make video game versions of classic board games. Now, I get 
it's to make a, a digital version or a version that, you know, children can play in a different format and so on. But what's wrong with just getting your Monopoly out of the board and putting it on the table and getting the pieces out and having the cash in your hands and so on instead of just rolling a virtual dice and watching a virtual car go around the board. I don't agree with board game conversions to digital. I'm sorry, but that's just my own opinion. They're odd. It's definitely an odd experience. Like, I think I've had one in my lifetime. Um, and that was only because... So this goes back to the Genesis. Um, the pl- There was a store that I uh, went to that... Do you remember the power base converter? It allowed you to play... Sega Master System games on the Genesis. Yes, yes. And and so there was a store that I went to that was selling it, and they had a deal where buy the power base converter, get three free Master System games. Okay. And so, of course, I saved up fifty bucks. I bought the you know, hey, I'm going to get three free games. So I'm looking down the list of games, and I bought it specifically because Fantasy Star Two had just come out. Okay. And I wanted access to Fantasy Star 1. So I bought it. I looked down the checklist because it was a list of, you know, you had to send away for them. And I looked down, Fantasy Star, awesome. Okay, fine, cool. Looking down, um, the next game was Rostan, which was a side-scrolling game where you're kind of like this Conan the Barbarian-looking guy. So it was like an action platformer. And I'm like, okay, I played that in the arcade. Sure, fine. Looking down the rest of the games, don't recognize that, don't know that, don't know that. And they've got no descriptions on there. And it was way before the internet. So I had no idea to know, figure out how any of these games were. So it's like, okay, do I recognize anything? The only thing I recognize left is Monopoly. Oh, no. (laughs) All right, fine. I'll get Monopoly. (laughs) So I had Monopoly for the Sega Master System. You know, admittedly, I do recall a time when I had, I think it may have been on the PS1, I had Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And I was always furiated by the fact that whatever stage of money I managed to win, and now comes this little virtual check. The machine didn't print it off. There was no no rewards, you know? Right. Where's the check? It's like, hey, I just got 15 friggin' trivia questions in a row. Like, I should get something for this. I did better than the people on TV. Exactly. Even if the console was somehow managed to make a noise, it would vibrate, or there'd be a cha-ching, or a well done, or something. It just... Ugh. Board games don't work on a TV. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've ranted. I feel like I've just lifted a bit of weight off my shoulders now, so I feel a lot better. <laughs> but for those people that are listening that are producing games based on, on board games and classic uh, tabletop games, please don't. <laughs> just don't. Make some other things, like great action adventures that we can enjoy, where we can button bash and so on. Yeah. No no one's really turning on their, their Xbox or their N- Nintendo Switch or whatnot going, I'm going to play Yahtzee. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Virtual dice, yay! Watch the sales of virtual dice go through the roof after listening to this. Oh my god! <laughs> so, first gen gamers is going to be packed with nostalgic trips down memory lane, great alternative game choices, genres, subjects, topics that you may or may not have been thinking about. It's going to be something really, really good to get those juices flowing in the brain and get those talks happening, those chats at home and at work. So, how can people? get involved with the show. How can they follow you? With Where can they find you and keep up with any updates that you might want to release? All right. So podcasts are released on Thursdays. So I think our next episode will actually be dropping on what will be American Thanksgiving. So that's next Thursday. It's that the uh, eight days into the 23rd, I believe. They're bi-weekly. So every two Thursdays. Uh, the next episode, like I said, is the first half of the what we're thankful for. You can find it on just about every podcast platform, all the major ones, Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon, 
a couple of weirder ones that I can't remember the name of. (laughs) (laughs) We've all got them. Right. You sign up for a podcast distribution platform and there's like 30 of them. You're like, sure, send it to them. Who are they? (laughs) Yeah, their servers went down ages ago, but never mind. (laughs) Yeah. We do have an email. It's firstgengamers1000, um, so 1000 at gmail.com. We would love to hear from gamers, uh, from listeners, show ideas. Part of the format of it is that Mike and I both make our list separately. We don't talk about it ahead of time. We just know what the topic is. When we record the episode, his picks and my picks are a surprise to each other, and we'll debate them. We'll be like, what are you talking about? Why would you say Punch-Out's a great sports game? <laughs> um, I wouldn't. Punch-Out's a wonderful game. Um Anyone who says otherwise is insane, but <laughs> classic, but that's the, we want to know, do you agree with our picks? Do you think that we're, we're absolutely off our rocker? Do you have picks of your own? We'd love fan feedback on it. I'm on blue sky. I know that not a lot of people are It's an upcoming alternative to Twitter, but I'm on it because it's an alternative to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. You can find me there. Uh, my handle is Streets Ajed. So Streets A J E D. Nice. It's a, little, it's a little community pun if you're familiar with the show. I also use the same name on uh, Discord, and I'll provide a link to our because we have a link tree. Um, you could, so if you want to get in touch with me or Mike or the show in general, it's got links to everywhere we are. So many ways to get involved. It's going to be. Like I say, really exciting to see what kind of episodes you produce. I'm looking forward to listening to a lot more gaming content, a lot more nostalgia, a lot more alternative choices. I'm liking that it's going to give me a chance to think about games that I wouldn't have considered normally. And, you know, maybe get, maybe try and find a way to play them and experience what you guys will be talking about. In regards to myself, folks, it's all at the same hashtag at sign, whatever you want to use. It's all at Davy 10 mins With the addition, though, although I don't use it very often, of TikTok, which is that give that 10 minutes. Again, I don't use it that much. I, I post, you know, episode information from time to time, but I mean, it's an alternative, isn't it? So another way to reach out. Get in touch with the show. If you have any questions you'd like me to pass on to Mike or Jed, then I'm happy to do so. And obviously I'll post links himself if you want to go directly to First Gen Gamers and find out what you can and how you can get involved in the show yourself. As we go to sign off, any closing remarks from yourself, sir? Gaming is has a wonderful history. It's got... Uh, we are coming at, if you really want to go back to the very first gen, all the Pong machines, we're at uh, just about 50 years of gaming. Half a century. Half a century. Half a century. Can you freaking believe it? It's insane. And how how great that we're part of such a piece of history. Yeah. We've been around since almost the very beginning. If you haven't been around for that long, or if you have been, but you've forgotten stuff, don't ignore it. Don't look. Don't be afraid to look back. From the Intellivision to the PS5 and and all points in between. Even the 3DO's got good games. It has. Check them out. Don't be afraid. And listen to first-gen gamers, and we may give you some ideas of, of uh, some games to check out. You couldn't say fairer than that. It's been amazing to chat to you, Jed. Thank you very much for taking the time to give me a go. And the listener, of course, your time is always very precious. The fact that you're listening to us now, I appreciate do get in touch. Let me know what you think of the show. Good, bad, ugly, happy, whatever it might be. Let me know. And I look forward to speaking to you next time. Till then, take care of yourselves. All the best. <laughs> <laughs>